Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. It's the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, welcome on to the pre-draft edition of Hollinger and Duncan. I'm Nate Duncan, John Hollinger, former, what was your title with the Grizzlies anyway? I can't keep up with, with the Executive title. Vice President of Basketball Operations. I don't think it even ah, fit yes. on the business card. <laughs> uh, so, and John now writes for The Athletic, wrote for ESPN as well. So let's get started here talking about the draft. You did a mock draft for The Athletic a, a few days ago, um, but that was your what you think will happen or not what you would do in the shoes of these teams so i think we're just going to go through in order both of us have our draft boards i haven't looked at it as extensively as you have but i've been through most of the top 10 Mm -hmm. uh with very detailed scouting reports you uh, i've done that for even more of the draft so let's just start off uh, pretty easily here just in a vacuum you know and we'll talk about these guys with respect to the teams that are in these positions but in a vacuum just who you'd most want to have on a team who you would draft if you were just you know a random team who should be the number one pick in the 2020 nba draft to you Lamelo ball yeah uh i just think he has the most upside uh as a as a high-end uh creator as a grab-and-go guard as a big ball handler uh and obviously there are some pretty major warts in his game at this point as a teenager but he has he could do things that people in the nba right now cannot do and will never ever do uh in terms of his ability Ability to to see plays ahead of time, make the right pass, uh, and deliver it. Uh, really good size for his position. Uh, I think he has good sort of offensive tools to score, even though right now he doesn't utilize them particularly well. Uh, so I think there's a lot of upside there. And I think defensively, he can potentially be good, even though his tape right now is terrible. Yeah, the three flaws with him are things that are probably some of the most fixable things. That doesn't mean they will be fixed by any means correct but those three things that i see as the biggest flaws number one his shooting i guess there's maybe four shooting shot selection defensive effort and intensity Mm -hmm. and then strength and all of those are things which players can and almost certainly do improve at least to some degree in the nba does he get enough to be a superstar i mean i would say probably not i think he's a very volatile prospect but the upside is there because he's got these skills that are just like his highs to me are higher than any anyone else in this draft six seven one of the best ball handlers for that height that i've ever seen would you agree with that 
Yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, I almost sort of take it for granted because I'm looking at the other stuff. But yeah, it's like, oh, oh, he's huge. And he's just like handles the ball like a point guard. Like it's no big deal. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then just a, a spectacular passer. I mean, someone that I think will be a top 10 passer in the NBA, if not right away, then certainly very quickly. And unlike his brother Lonzo, who is a great passer, Lonzo is a great passer in transition and advantage situations. Lamelo is a great passer on the move in pick and roll creating the advantage drawing the help and then finding guys and uh so th- that's why i think when you're particularly in this draft where there's no sure thing pick the highest upside guy i, I am in yeah. totally agreement with you um what did the stats models say uh, on lamella ball well, the stat models don't know what the hell to do with them, basically, because yeah. you have to convert from the Australian League, uh, which is a currency which we don't have a lot of conversions in the past for. Uh, <laughs> and then he played a short season, too. And then even like the he didn't play a lot of those AAU All-Star Leagues that a lot of those other guys did because he had, you know, the whole uh, show in, in Lithuania for for that half season and then the other stuff that was going on. So there, there actually aren't a lot of data points. This is this is an eye test draft with Lamelo ball yeah well and, and james wiseman obviously and then anthony edwards as well all all three of those players really have very very limited experience and that's what a, a lot of people are talking about in the top three mm-hmm. so let me ask you this though what is like the highest uh, upside outcome for Lamelo ball what does that player look like fully formed if you're really buying into him uh i mean his i think it's like his his peak upside scenarios are actually pretty darn good like because you're because you're 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 getting into like he's not magic johnson but like in terms of that big ball handling guard who can see the plays and rebounds and and does some of that stuff uh i mean those are rare players that every team is looking for and so uh i'm I'm trying to think who's a more recent player that like like a bigger lafayette lever or like um like what i'm trying to think of what the other comps here uh would be he's a pretty unique player actually yeah I, I think so too you know i do see him being more tilted towards the distribution i don't believe that he's going to be a dominating scorer i think the only way that would happen is if his jumper really turns into a plus weapon and absolutely i'm not yeah. sure i think his jumper is going to be more okay let we can't go under on this guy but not you know oh my god we got to blitz this guy with two people get the ball out of his hands behind the three-point line type of thing so i i think and then finishing around the rim is only kind of okay. I mean, he's, I think he's a decent athlete, but he's not like a dominating power finisher either. I think he'll be able to get to a decent level. And he's also got that floater, which I know everyone hates that floater, but it also went in like half the time. <laughs> like yeah. his, he shoot, if you guys haven't seen it, he shoots this like 17 foot, like half floater on the move, which looks like a terrible shot, but it actually like went in a lot. Um, So that might be something that he can use a little bit kind of like Trey Young but I still don't see the absolute like dominating scoring instincts from him yeah I think you're more kind of all right you're scoring in the high teens and then he's getting 10 assists a game I think that's where you're and plays decent defense and rebounds yeah the player comp I think I didn't mention which might be the most fitting is like Jason Kidd with less defense and more scoring maybe Hmm. Um, but like a lot of sort of weak triple doubles where he gets like 11 points but has a triple double right uh maybe that's more his high-end comp yeah now he did have this 
astronomical usage in the Australian League, albeit on below 50% true shooting, 25% from three on a lot of just terrible, terrible shots on a bad team, uh, particularly after Aaron Brooks went down for them. So I'm, I really, you really just don't know what he could be, right? I mean, he may just never evolve as a shooter and he probably needs to do some surgery on it. Like his brother, he's got this weird kind of two-hand push shot. Unlike his brother, he doesn't do this whole shooting off his left hip thing that like really kind of messes him up. Like he can shoot it off the dribble. It's a much more versatile jump shot. He actually looks pretty good get like getting into a shot off the dribble. Uh, Yeah. And he just, the shots he chooses to take off of the dribble are just so horrendously bad that I think it drags down his percentage. You also worry a little bit about his ability to create an, an, an ISO. He does have a pretty good handle, but if the jump shot doesn't really come around, you could probably switch him pretty easily Yeah, in pick sure. and roll. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm not, I don't know that the absolute top end version of LaMelo Ball is a top 10 player in the NBA. I mean, that bar is just so high mm-hmm. these days, and I think he would have to get his scoring and defense to a really high level, uh, higher than it may be possible for him. But still, I mean, I think he can be one of the better point guards and just in transition, passing the ball, improving his spot up shooting. I mean, I think he can be a guy who ultimately isn't going to have too many weaknesses if it all works out for him. Yeah. I mean, and the passing is spectacular. Yeah, I still think in the last two drafts, he goes somewhere between three and six, but the, this draft doesn't have the same talent level. So he's a number one pick. Yeah, I would have had him third in last year's draft, I, w- I would say. Mm-hmm. Certainly yeah. above R.J. Barrett. I think I actually had, I might have had either Kobe White or Darius Garland third. I, I was really low on Barrett. But mm-hmm. um, anything else you want to talk about on him or should we get to your number two? Yeah, let's get to number two here. All the olds might decry us as an uneducated generation, as having no idea what's going on. But if you really think about it, we are the most literate generation that there is because so much of our communication happens in writing now, whether it's text, whether it's emails. Since so much of communication happens online, we just have to do so much more of it. And if maybe you're in a situation where you find it difficult to express yourself clearly, say you're writing your landlord an email or you've got a big project at work, Grammarly Premium can help to elevate your writing. They've got Clarity Suggestions, a feature that makes your sentences clear, concise, crisp, cutting out unnecessary words and redundant words. You can also avoid overused words. That's one in in my writing. It always takes me such a long time to go through and be like, all right, did I just use this word three sentences ago? Maybe I need to pick a different one. And you can harness the power of Grammarly on every platform with their desktop editor, their browser plugin, and their mobile apps. Improve your writing on all your favorite sites and apps, Outlook, Gmail, Twitter, LinkedIn, and more. Make a statement with clear, flawless text that's sure to impress. It doesn't just correct your mistakes. It helps you build up your skills as a writer. Elevate your writing with 20% off Grammarly Premium by signing up at Grammarly.com slash PR. Easy remember slash PR because John invented it. That's 20% off Grammarly Premium at G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y. Grammarly.com slash PR. Don't forget that slash PR to let them know that you came from us. So I just turned 40. I love being active, playing basketball, 
lifting weights, skiing, hiking. Okay, I don't know if I love hiking. The whole put one foot in front of the other repeatedly until you theoretically experience fun doesn't work for me as well, unless it's, you know, in a national park or something. But nonetheless, I love being active and I really was having problems with that. I would just get these adhesions, these knots in my muscles. I couldn't make them go away. I'd get massages, physical therapy, and I just never felt 100%. I would try to lift weights and I couldn't go hard because I'd feel like, man, I've got this knot in my muscle. Like, am I going to pull something here? And then I was introduced to the Theragun and all that changed. It's handheld percussive therapy. They've got the Theragun Mini for travel. They've got their new Theragun Gen 4 with an OLED screen. It's quieter. It's easier to use. It's way easier than like foam rolling, for example, where you have to hold your whole body up. You can get pretty much every part of your body and you use it for 30 days. They have a 30-day money-back guarantee. And if your experience is anything like mine, you're going to get rid of all those knots in your muscles from sitting from working out and they're offering a great deal as well for a limited time you can get a free charging stand with purchase a 79 dollars value that's theragun.com slash per easy to remember slash per because john and Benigat. that's theragun.com slash per don't forget that slash per so know that you came from us the uh, the, the terrifying guy that that everyone is hoping somebody else drafts uh anthony edwards uh, he's really talented. He may have more upside than ball. Uh, the, you just get this vibe that he's going to be the guy who averages 24 points a game for a team that goes 28 and 54 every year. Um, between his... <laughs> well, well, no, come on. That's not true. We're only playing 72 games this oh, year. I'm sorry. So that's, yeah. that's just not, that's not possible. Come on, be, be 20, realistic. 24 and 48, my bad. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, great frame, good athlete, uh, can get into a, a pull-up jump shot pretty easily, uh, has good feet when he's locked in defensively, which is about once every lunar eclipse, unfortunately. Um, he does not shoot particularly well right now. I'd say his effort level is a real concern with teams. His background is a concern for some teams. Um and just he has this kind of Andrew Wiggins thing where just you're, you're just like, come on, dude, like step it up. Come on. Uh, and it, his motor just doesn't run hot, uh, but he can really score. Um, and even in his one college season, I mean, had one of the highest scoring seasons for a, for a, for a teenage guard in a major conference that, that you, you'll see. And it's it's just it's it's not efficient. He's very ISO one on one, like he doesn't read the game that well. Uh, just a frustrating frustrating player in a lot of ways but also super talented so i i think he's like he's the number two guy on my board but he's definitely a scary guy for teams to pick and i think teams are going to have trouble with that on draft night when when he's the top name on their board i think you're going to see a lot of teams like i don't know here so it's going to be really interesting for me to see if he slides because of that yeah a lot to unpack there i'll start by saying he is not number two on my board that's james wiseman We'll, we'll talk about him later okay but um let's start with this you mentioned the idea that his background is not good and and, you know a lot of draft analysts will say that and not you know nobody ever has any specifics right it seems like kind of an unwritten rule that you just Mm -hmm. don't air that kind of stuff publicly right like you heard some things like that about like Dejounte murray Mm -hmm. for example and like yeah you know so so i as someone who has not read these reports who has not done this type of work i never know 
what to make of that, right? And there could always be smoke screens there. There could be people who are yeah. just flat out lying about that yeah. stuff at, at times. And so like, I personally try to just focus on what I see on film and that's it because I don't have access to those. But I mean, not even necessarily with Edwards specifically, but just when certain prospects in the past, let's not link it to those prospects specifically. But when you, someone says, hey, this guy, you know, his background didn't like checked out poorly. What are the types of things that show up that can cause someone to say that again being clear that we're not being specific to edward edwards here yeah i mean i can having talked to some people i mean i can be a little a, a little more clear i mean so passion for the game i think is is one of the things you'd really try to find out uh yeah how much does this guy love basketball how hard does he work uh what you know just what does he care about and then uh just general like personality how is he around other people is he is he shy is he weird is he you know what is he does he get in you know does he have issues with the law or whatever or, or are there other are there other red flags there which are are less common but obviously the biggest one everyone's looking out for is substance abuse right uh yeah. which, which thankfully in our current era is pretty rare as opposed to the 80s where like you're red flagging half of the draft because of that um so uh that's the biggest one we're all looking out for on the team side uh and, and after that the 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 level of the red flag I think is much less, but you know, the top five pick who, um, is still like pretty raw in a lot of ways, you're kind of counting on his own, uh, internal motivation to be part of what pushes him to improve. So if that isn't there, then you have some question marks. So I think in his case, people have some questions about his, uh, his, his love for the game, his, you know, work slash effort. Um, and then just, uh, personality wise, like there, there's nothing terrible there, but you just get, I just get the sense talking to people that he, that he's maybe a little wired a little differently. Yeah. You know, and to me, me when I hear stuff like that I try to mate it to what I'm actually seeing on film and with him I'm a little more concerned about those sorts of things because on film you see that he had he's in and out that he's doesn't seem to have a very high basketball IQ doesn't mm -hmm. seem to play hard all the time has never played for a winning team ever basically in his entire life mm -hmm. uh and that's really when it ties into what you're seeing on film because obviously yeah it, it ends up being you know what the basketball player actually is yeah sure you wanted to get along with his teammates but uh so yeah that's definitely a concern for me and I can use that to transition to another point that that I had which is I don't consider him to be have a high basketball IQ I don't consider him to have a great feel for the game and if you look at perimeter players I could probably only come up with one perimeter player who became a big star that I consider to not have great feel and that's Russell Westbrook who was you know mm -hmm. like Edwards just an absolutely dominating physical player um would you agree with that assessment that they're really like if you are a perimeter player you better have pretty good feel if you expect someone uh, someone to be a big star yeah i mean you know do we consider victor oladipo a big star or, um he, i mean he that's kind of who his build and his athleticism reminds me of a little bit yeah um, uh, although oladipo was considered
considered an impeccable character guy, although and, some in Indiana and, recently might dispute that. But <laughs> and a really good defender. Um, yeah, yeah, and he, and he played hard all the time too. Um, and he could sing. <laughs> yeah, and Oladipo. By the way, to be clear, I think he's got plenty of reason to have beef with the Pacers organization after that the injury that he suffered after they you know probably didn't diagnose that correctly mm-hmm. and protect him well. Uh, but but anyway, yeah, that's you know, and even Oladipo he made one All NBA team. Um, so that, that yeah, I mean he's you know Anthony Edwards has been compared to a lot of these shooting guards. You know, if you told me that he was going to really defend and that you could get him to defend, I would feel so good about him because I mean he's at two thirty. I mean he could defend threes. You would think with some of the physical tools that he has, he's got close to a seven foot wingspan and yeah. can, can jump. But I don't think anyone really is projecting him that way. But fair to say that we don't have the greatest record at projecting who's going to be a good wing defender and who isn't sometimes too. Yeah, I mean Ben Simmons had some pretty rough defensive tape at LSU. Uh, yeah, now he's awesome. Yeah, a- absolutely. Um, even Markel Fultz, I think, is pretty good now, and he was maybe the worst college player in terms of effort I'd like ever evaluated when I, <laughs> yeah. when I saw him. Um, yeah. Who would have thought his defense would be would be better than his offense uh, at that time? But you you still, despite all that, you still feel comfortable with him at two. So let me ask you the same question I asked you about Ball. If it works out for him, what does that player look like? Uh, I mean, Victor Oladipo, I think, is a perfect uh, perfect comp. Um, yeah, you know, he's he's not quite he, he's not quite Westbrook in terms of the athleticism or the competitiveness for that point. But yeah, I think if if you can get Victor Oladipo out of this draft, I think you're pretty happy. Yeah, that's right. I, I think Old Depot is a little bit different to me just because he's kind of, he's a little smaller. He's a little quicker. Um, I'm not sure that Edwards is like incredibly quick. Um, you know, I didn't see him just blowing by guys that much. But I, I think if you're going to believe in him, that jump shot has to be really good. That's, yeah. you know, 29% from three, maybe the worst shot selection of like even worse than LaMelo Ball, I would say, actually. The, uh, over the course of a college season, he might have the worst shot selection of any prospect i've ever evaluated um but if he can clean that up if he can improve his catch and shoot if he can get these iso three pointers off then you got something and it might not matter that he doesn't have great feel yeah because i i mean he can get to that jump shot pretty easily but yeah. he had like he shoots completely differently off the dribble than off the catch which is a little weird and i don't think either of them are really like consistent shots so there's a lot of work to be done um all right well I, we could talk about edwards probably for the next 10 minutes or so i mean I, i'm I would probably have him three on my board, but I would probably have him in a tier with some of these these other players okay. as well. You know, I think not exactly the same way of scoring, but a Zach Levine type, you know, be, is sort of to me is where it ends up for him mm-hmm. uh, as just a, a guy who is a scorer, but not much else and probably not that good defensively. I mean, yeah. may, maybe you could say if you put him in a switching system where he doesn't really have to help that much, he just has to guard the guy in front of him. He doesn't have to get over screens and he can just, you know, hold up on switches you can just teach him to be competitive when the guy in front of him has that orange thing in his hands you know maybe that's how he could work out because he does have those physical tools um so number three on your board i I, i'm guessing i'm gonna have to wait a little while to talk about uh my number two guy james wiseman uh yeah you're gonna have to wait for a little bit yeah i'm I'm a little (laughs) further down on him than you are um my number three guy is killian hayes 
Oh, baby. My argument for him is that hitting on a big ball handling wing is just multiple times more valuable than hitting on anything else. And so he he has a chance to be that guy. And there are some things that have to happen for him to get there. But he's a, he's a good passer. He has really good footwork, um, you know, on, on kind of the in-between shots and even getting to step backs, although his three-point shot is still inconsistent. He's not a great athlete, although he defends pretty decently. Uh, he's still really young and he I mean he might not ever get there he might just end up being like you know Jarrett Culver or something like that, that that's definitely an outcome that might happen but I I just I just think the, the the ability to hit on a player like this outweighs whatever you could get at like the four and five that's a, so a lot of people that I really respect have Hayes very high I know Ethan Strauss is is high in him as well Kevin O'Connor at the ringer has him as his number one overall prospect uh I have him lower maybe not that much lower but that's more a statement about what this draft is and i don't believe that he has that much of an upside because he's just too unathletic Mm -hmm. to me i think the the d'angelo russell comparisons are the ones that i might buy into a little bit more but d'angelo russell was a wonderful shooter his freshman year at ohio state and hayes hasn't necessarily been that um you know hayes has a little more size a little more defensive effort which i like but i I did get concerned when I saw him struggle to bring the ball up the court being pressured up by like these no-name white dudes in the German yeah. league. So ball ball pressure definitely gave him some trouble. Now, I'll I'll keep in mind, I mean, that was one of the criticisms of Luka Doncic too that he was having trouble with ball pressure. I mean, they let you do a lot more uh as a, as a perimeter player bringing the ball up in Europe uh th- than they do in the NBA. Yeah, you you mean defensively just like hounding guys and Yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, little arm bars and stuff like they're going to look the other way. On that stuff yeah um you know luca also was like the the difference the difference with hayes he's so left-handed that you worry that people just shade him so much to the left that he just can't do anything yeah his there was an interview with his trainer uh from ian begley saying oh the right hand is fine he just went left every time because they didn't force him right because they didn't know the scouting report on it i was like uh no that's not true uh when he because when he did go right it was pretty darn ineffective so i'll tell you what my journey with hayes was as i watched the film when i first saw him i was like this guy's awful mm-hmm. um he's too slow like i'm just not a believer in him at all it's basically just go to his left hand in pick and roll or you know shoot this step back going to his right and that's it he's just this caricature he can only do those two things and he just doesn't have the elite explosion i started to come around on him a little bit more because i do think he has good feel he can change speeds he is able to get by guys even though he's a little bit slower in the half court mm-hmm. um and his finishing numbers were actually pretty good because he can change speeds he can slow down he can euro step not to his right but to his left um kind of throw off the timing of the big now when that doesn't work you know he's not going to go into the chest of anybody and finish like he's not really a great leaper either yeah yeah that's um, that's the thing he, he cannot do yeah and then the other thing that concerns me, though, is the really low release on his jumper. Like, I like his frame. If he could have part of this game where he just works into the mid-range, kind of shoulders the guy off, shoots over, smaller guard, you know, kind of Kawhi-like, you know, if he could add that to his game, I'd feel pretty good. But his release is so low that that's probably not ever really going to happen for him. And so I think he can be a quality starting point guard in the NBA. I just think that his upside is very, very limited due to the lack of athletic athleticism so i think he could be solid you know i think if he goes in the teens to me that's probably too low although i haven't looked at all of those guys extensively
offensively. Um, but I think number three is a little too high for him for me because I don't see the upside with him. I think he's just too slow and too unathletic to really be, you know, in the top half of the league as a point guard. Okay. Um, and, and you know, I think part, if you love D'Angelo Russell, if you think D'Angelo Russell is better than I do, you know, if you think of D'Angelo Russell as like a top 10 point guard, um, then maybe you believe that Hayes can be better, but I'm just, you know, against a switch. I don't know how the hell he's going to beat a switch at all either. You know, if you're really talking about him getting to the highest levels, he's just going to have to significantly improve his athleticism. I don't know if that's, if that's a possibility for him, but, um, any pushback at any of what I'm saying? I think he can get there, get pretty close to there just on skill, just on like his footwork is really good. If he, if he's able to shoot the ball better from the perimeter, I think his, his skill level might carry him a long way. So I took my first vacation since the pandemic started over the last couple of weeks, took a road trip with my wife, kept our distance, but we wanted to get away a little bit before the NBA restarted again in earnest. And as I'm always reminded when I go somewhere, my Helix Sleep mattress is just so much better than anything else because it's made for me. It's a personalized mattress made right here in the U.S., shipped straight to your door with free no-contact delivery, free returns, and a 100-night sleep trial. You're not going to return it, though, because it's made for you. You take their two-minute sleep quiz, and it matches your body type and sleep preferences to the perfect mattress, whether it's soft or firm, whether you sleep on your side or your back or your stomach, you sleep hot. With Helix, there's a specific mattress for each and everybody's unique taste. I've been working with them since 2015, so I was on them before they were awarded the number one best overall mattress pick of 2020 by GQ, Wired Magazine, and Apartment Therapy. The way to get started with them is at helixsleep.com slash PR to take that two-minute sleep quiz and get the best sleep of your life. They even have a 10-year warranty as well. The one that I've had for five years is holding up incredibly well. Right now, they're offering up to $200 off all mattress orders at helixsleep.com slash PR link. That's up to $200 off at helixsleep.com slash PR. Don't forget that slash PR to let them know that you came from us. You know that we love to learn new things here. That's what inspired me to become a podcaster, to transition into being an NBA journalist. And if you want to learn some new things, just go check out Masterclass, masterclass.com slash PR and look at the lists of topics and experts that they have. It's really absolutely ridiculous. Master animal trainer Brandon McMillan for dog training is one of their newest ones. Tony Hawk, skateboarding, Ron Finley on gardening, Chris Voss, former FBI lead international kidnapping negotiator on negotiation. Tan France from Queer Eye, style for everyone. They're constantly adding new classes. There are almost 90 classes now, I think. And some of the classics, Steph Curry shooting and ball handling, Serena Williams on tennis. Tons of great actors, tons of great writers, tons of great chefs. Whatever you're interested in, there is a master class for you. And the quality of these is just ridiculous. Whether it's just watching the lessons or really getting into it, doing the exercises along with these incredibly qualified masters of their craft. Again, the way to get started with them is at masterclass.com slash PR, and you can get 15% off an annual membership. That's masterclass.com slash PR for 15% off the annual membership. Don't forget that slash PR link to let them know that you came from us. Um, all right, let's uh, let's hit some questions here quickly before, since we've got through three players here. Um, let's we'll try and focus on some of these draft questions. Oh, here we go. My wife's seeing the computer monitor. Who the hell are those guys? Excellent. Yes, that's, that's, that's the reaction that we want to uh, elicit here um 
Any chance of a Anthony Bennett level shocker at number one, or is it guaranteed to be one of the consensus top three? I do think it'll be one of the top three. I mean, you keep hearing that Minnesota likes Tyrese Halliburton, but I only think they're doing that in a trade down scenario. I don't think they're taking him at one. Yeah. And Gavoni's reporting has been the expectation by everyone is that it's going to be LaMelo as uh, the number one pick. Um, Let's see here. Sorry, we got to do one of these. Uh, Is it too early for Rafael Stone to request a trade? (laughs) (laughs) That's fantastic. (laughs) That's pretty good. Uh, Okay. Uh, Let's get back to the draft. If uh, LaMelo ended up in Golden State instead of Minnesota, I'd feel much better about his development. I've watched Minnesota's track record of development, and it is rough. What do you say to that? Uh, I would say, I mean, there's a new front office there. Um, and I mean, I, I'm trying to think who, who Minnesota, uh, picked in other drafts that was like, 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 is it their development that's really the rough part or is it just that the, the personnel decision? Well, and also they've got a totally new regime in there yeah. from the, the Thibodeau era. So yeah, I mean, who did they pick? Chris Dunn for a year, Levine. Well, I, he was the 14th pick. I mean, he's actually had a good outcome for the 14th pick i actually no matter thought what you think flip did a good job with levine before he ended up you know the new regime yeah. that old new regime came in and then they traded him to chicago i actually thought flip did a decent job developing him had him playing point guard in summer league to show him some different looks and like i, I thought they did an okay job with him um yeah we got a few more here on some of the other guys we'll get we'll get to some of these here but let's uh let's hear john's number four pick on his board on yeka kongwu uh i think he's the best big in the draft i think if, if this if this was 1990 you'd have a case to go number one as the best power forward on the board uh now he's a center and centers are devalued but his his numbers at usc were awesome and they were awesome even though the coaches seemed hell-bent on running post-ups for other players so i i think he has a really good chance to almost exceed what he did in college when he got a chance to operate on the block he's really good can a jump hook with either hand i think he has some shooting touch that can develop and turn into uh uh, more of a, a, a face-up player as, as he, you know, continues to improve. Defensively, he's really good. Pretty good feet. Great hands. Catches everything. Rebounds everything. Uh, pretty good going end-to-end. A little short for a five. Uh, reminds me a lot of Bam Adebayo, actually. Uh, just, just in terms of what he brings to the table at the defensive end at his size, where he could play some four and some five, potentially. Uh, I think he's a really good player, and I'd I'd argue for him higher if it weren't for the fact that I just I just devalue the idea of drafting five. But I think Okong was really good and is kind of going under the radar a little bit. Yeah, again, you've been really high on him. Strauss has been really high on him. A lot of people, a lot of people have been saying that he's better than Wiseman. And generally, when I disagree with people on the draft, there's two reasons. One is we don't really disagree about what this guy could be, but we disagree on how valuable that is. You and I, we're usually pretty in lockstep with that aspect of things, of what wins games in the modern NBA. Where you and I disagree on him, I think, is just, I just don't, I've seen the BAM comparisons for him. Maybe that poisoned me a little bit because I'd seen those before I evaluated him. But I just don't think he's that athletic. I think that that's where, both from a moving his feet standpoint, from a leaping standpoint, he is quick off the ground. He will get these quick blocks, but he's not like going up in the air to get him. He's kind of blocking it like in guys' hands. You know, I'm not Mm -hmm. sure how well that's going to play at the NBA level. He does get a lot of steals too. I think he has a 
pretty good feel um he's also a little thin and you know for him guarding Anthony Davis or Nikola Jokic or Joel Embiid I mean it is maybe he'll get a lot stronger in the next five years and he could do that but comparing him to Bam you remember when you and I talked about Bam and he was up there for us he was my pick I can't remember who yours was as actually the best athlete in the whole NBA from a running jumping and most importantly maybe strength standpoint and Bam I mean he can stay in front of anyone and I just don't see that level from Okongo. I think people kind of like Jarrett Culver maybe a little bit last year everyone's like oh yeah Jarrett Culver great defender great kid stays in front of everyone I watch and I'm like you know he's a little he's a little small to be this wing stopper and he's not at like a premium NBA athlete I think Okongu is a solid athlete but not like an unbelievable one he's not going to go up and crush alley-oops from the corner of the square or anything like that so I think that's really if you gave him a little bit more wingspan a little more leaping ability uh, a little more strength then I'd be totally on board like everyone else that's why I don't see it as much with him okay I would say like defensively I would say I would I would agree with you that like when I compare him to Bam I'm not necessarily saying he's he's the equivalent of Bam um I actually think he can be better offensively I I think he's considerably more skilled at the same age so I mean we'll see where this develops but like he can score on the block and what it was maddening to watch USC games and see them try to post up Nikola Rakosevich while well, they have Bam hanging out, or I'm sorry, Okongu hanging out in the corner. Uh, because he, I mean, he can he can get stuff done when he when he catches on the block or the mid post, put it on the floor a couple times, shoot a hook with either hand. I'm really interested to see where that goes. So uh, may, maybe the Bam comparison is a little off, just in terms of I think he's more offense and less defense in his peak version of him than, than Bam is. But I, I think there's value to be had there as as like the sort of undersized five who. Uh, still does five things well so you do you think his post-up ability is good enough that like you're gonna throw him the ball on the block against the other team center i think he's good enough to crush switches certainly um, yeah w- whether you would actually bother posting him up against a five i think remains to be seen yeah he does have a pretty like he, he was very efficient he kind of shoots this like leaning hook shot you know doesn't really have the highest release point on it um so i'm not sure how well that would play against bigger players yeah i think he could probably do do some work against switches although you know i i still think the best way to do that is like just post up right at the charge circle put the guy in, in the goal and make him foul you as opposed mm-hmm. to just you know backing down uh yeah i don't think that's going to be a major part of things um now one thing i think where it could go wrong for me is if he really develops a jump shot i know some people are higher on his shooting potential we didn't really see him shoot the ball at all this year from the outside what do you make of that aspect of his game i actually think he's got a pretty decent touch uh, I, I saw him in person, was able to see him warm up before a game at USC. Uh, I, I, his shot looks pretty decent to me. Like, I, I think he may surprise some people with with uh, how quickly his face-up game comes along. Yeah, if he has the ability to play some four, then I, I think I'm a little bit more interested in him as well. I, I, I just, I still, what it cuts down to for me is I'm just not sure that he's going to be like this dominating mm-hmm. defender. And, and at that point, then it's hard for me to take him, you know, in the top five-ish area. I think 
think, you know, if we're talking about him going nine to the Wizards, mm-hmm. yeah, I think that pick makes a yeah. lot of sense. I think he's he's going to be a player. You know, he's not, yeah. I don't think he's going to wash out completely, but by any means. Um, well, let, let's talk about Wiseman now. I mean, I, he's sure. my, my number two. You, you have him lower. So this is where I'll start with him. I believe okay. he is, despite having played three college games and being very raw, I consider him to be the highest floor prospect in this draft. And uh, I could see your, the mystified wow. look on your face. Wow. Might, might be okay. better if we we're just doing the pure podcast here. But <laughs> let me explain that. Seven, five, seven, six wingspan, mm-hmm. nine, five, nine, six standing reach. Mm-hmm. The guy is only getting stronger. I mean, he's going to fill out to like a rip 260. Mm-hmm. Um, not quite a DeAndre Jordan level of jumper, but pretty darn close to that. He runs the floor like a deer. Sorry, sorry. I, I was channeling Chad Ford or Chad yeah, Ford yeah. talking about uh, Pavel K- Podkolz in there for a second. <laughs> but no, I mean, he he does run the floor well. He's got pretty decent feet. Not, you know, is he going to switch on everybody? No, probably not. But like, especially at the end of the clock, I think he can hold up reasonably well there. Uh, and he doesn't play incredibly hard but he also doesn't not play hard right like i didn't have any instances watching the film of him and admittedly the three college games Mm -hmm. where i was like okay he's just not even trying here you know i I think he's um and and he's productive so that players with that type of physical profile basically never fail um from from what i find like i can't really come up with any examples uh you know deandre jordan andre drummond i mean even even guys like that you know in this draft that's that's not bad right and i think to me wiseman could be a better defensive player than drummond certainly i think he's shown some pretty decent instincts is he you know you don't want to bet on him becoming rudy gobert but he does have that type of physical potential but i really don't see how you it's and he doesn't have an injury history either which is nice for these big guys and he's got like some touch he's got his feel is not amazing you know he's still developing there but feel doesn't matter as much when you've got those type of physical tools so it's hard for me to see unless there are injuries how he just like isn't effective granted you know i've been beating the drum for centers aren't important uh for a long time but that's my thought there and i and i do think given his physical talent especially if he goes to the right situation like golden state uh that he could be more than that but i think at a minimum you're looking at like you know a top 10 top 15 starting center and in this draft that's that's decent you know and with some upside to improve on top of that yeah, so here, here's my thought on Wiseman. So he's a top 15 pick from the moment you watch him in the layup line, right? You, you watch him one trip yeah. through the layup line, you're like, who's that guy, <laughs> right? Like, Yeah, I had uh, that exact same experience when I first yeah. saw him at the 2019 Hoop Summit, absolutely. Yeah, Um. why does he not rebound? What, what do you mean he doesn't rebound? I thought I was actually very impressed on his college tape uh, uh, by his rebounding. His his rebounding as a, as a youth player was awful. Well, um, so, so that's interesting, and, right? Like I, I, that is, something that gives me pause right his eybl stats were terrible right like he was like 46 percent from the field or whatever um but seeing seeing him in person at the hoop summit i thought he played harder you know a lot when you talk to people around him they say that you know he's really improved his mentality and effort and then i thought he rebounded really well in those three games particularly in the oregon game the one game he played against high level competition he was going after every ball i thought he really uh impressed me there you know that was the game where he was in foul trouble the whole first half and then 
he ended up, I mean, he had like, you know, 18 points in that game or something in 22 minutes. And I thought he was going after every ball. Like I was actually really impressed by his effort level there. So I, I think he is going to rebound, but that's, that's based on the more recent stuff. If you choose to prioritize the earlier stuff, I completely understand how you might uh, feel differently. Yeah. Um, the, the guy he really reminds me of a lot is Hassan Whiteside. Like he's, he's big and he's talented, but he always leaves you want, wanting more. Um, I don't think he's like a super, like, like bouncy freak athlete around the rim. Um, tends That's to true. Shy. His finishing to... is, is, uh, his finishing on non dunks is not great right now. He wants to shy away and shoot jump shots. Um, and you know, you, you wonder, you wonder a little like how locked in he is a lot of times. Um, I'm, I don't think he's like quite as flaky as Hassan was, especially the younger version of Hassan. Um, but that, that's definitely a thing that gives me pause. And then like, I, I guess, I mean, we could have this same debate about Okongu, I guess, although I think Okongu has a little more positional variability and isn't necessarily just a five. But as a straight five, like if you're just going to be a mid-tier starter, then I don't need to use a high lottery pick on you. Yeah, I, I, but I think you, you're drafting him for that defensive player of the year upside. What do you make of his defensive instincts? Again, I mean, obviously very raw. Like we, we'd love to have a full season of college footage yeah. to evaluate this, but we just don't have it. Yeah, and I, I thought he was all right. Like, I don't know. I was at that Oregon game. Like, I, <laughs> it, it wasn't like terrible or anything, but I wasn't like, wow, he's just yeah. like Peyton, Peyton Pritchard couldn't get anywhere against him. Or <laughs> like, look, he really, he really left chris duarte just hold holding the bag full of nothing there you know like i don't know i again it's hard you're it's hard we don't have a lot to evaluate here um he only played the three games it's tough when you're trying to go back and evaluate guys when they're 16 and 17 because their games and their bodies change so much between then and 18 and 19 so it, it gets tricky there. I just, you know, every year it seems like there's like the number one guy coming out of their high school class and it's always a seven footer. And a lot of them just end up by the time they get to the NBA and playing against other seven footers. It's like, yeah, they're all right. But yeah, I think you're underselling his physical tools. Okay. Um, I mean, it's like we're, he's not just like another center. Like he, to me, is one of the most athletic centers in the NBA with the, those measurements, his ability to move his leaping ability in space uh you know i think that's and he's i think he's gotten even significantly more athletic in the last year and a half or so since the hoop summit mm -hmm. as well you know even just seeing him at memphis and then you know presumably he's had a lot of time to work on his body since then as well um i, I will say I, yeah. the the, le the league is is more on nate's side here i think most of the league has wiseman as yeah. a top three pick yeah and if i if i were the warriors at two i think i probably if lamella were off the bo the board i think i probably would in fact take him and, and part of that too is i just you know yeah there's he's a center how good could the upside be i don't really see like great upside from anyone else either like i mm -hmm. think if you're going to tell me that this guy might someday be rudy gobert which again i'm not saying that's a likely outcome but with his physical tools i think it's possible you know like what what did rudy gobert look like as a 19 year old uh try, trying to defend and, and block shots and stuff like it took him a while to grow into things too he didn't come to the league until he was 21 um that that upside to me is actually better than the upside of Anthony Edwards. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, you know, just because I think Edwards, it's just going to be so hard for him to figure it out. And, uh, you know, I think what's the intel like uh, on Wiseman um, from your perspective? I think I think it's just the the thing of how, how much does he really love the game? Um, yeah. Good kid, I, little soft. Yeah. That kind of and, thing. Yeah. Um, and the fact that he, you know, the fact that he bailed on the season so quickly doesn't it didn't exactly, uh, you know, 
help assuage people's uh, doubts in that area. So uh, that, that that's probably the biggest question mark, and we'll we'll just have to see. I mean, Rudy Gobert, whether you whether you liked him or hated him in his his draft year, there there was no doubt that he had a passion for the game. Um, no, there that, was a doubt. There was a doubt. That's why he he fell. I thought people were like, "Oh, he doesn't love basketball." Uh, well, I I'm, that I'm maybe you to, just I'm had better intel. When, when we when we when we interviewed him, we ended up completely convinced that actually he was not a guy who just played basketball because he was tall. Um, yeah, that, that he really had some some passion and some belief in himself, um, and he kind of impressed us. Um, so that, I guess that's what I'm going off of. Just being, I, I yeah, probably because he was being much. Gobert was being talked about as a top five pick yeah. after the 2012 Euro Camp, and then he ended up dropping to 27 because people were concerned about like his level of passion or whatever. Which I mean, and he and he had a bad I, year too in in the French yeah. Pro League. Yeah, yeah, he, he only shot 72 percent from the field instead of 78. Or <laughs> like he had the year before. I, don't, I I I still, I mean, I've been wrong on a lot of shit, including Giannis from that same draft, but I never understood why Gobert wasn't uh, didn't get drafted higher. What's up, sports fans? Matt Peck here, host of Locked On Bulls, and I want to talk to you really quickly about another excellent podcast. Huge Fan is a new Sirius XM original podcast where stars talk sports. Each week, join host LaChina Robinson as she chats with your favorite celebs about childhood sports memories, game day rituals, the most heated rivalries, and more. And this new season features huge names like Anthony Ramos from In the Heights and Hamilton, Pat Carney from the Black Keys, Mel C, that's right, a.k.a. Sporty Spice from the Spice Girls, and even actress Michelle Williams talking about her love for our very own Chicago Bulls. Huge Fan is a fresh way to connect with your favorite artists, actors, and personalities about something we all understand, fandom. Huge Fan is now out on Pandora, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever it is that you get your podcasts. And don't forget to follow the show or subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode. Normal protein bars taste like they came out of an open pit mine. Yes, I've been driving around the Western United States for the last couple of months. I got tons of ideas for analogs of what normal protein bars taste like. When we were driving around, we were trying to stay socially distanced, so we would just get some of our meals on the road just out of gas stations. I had some of those protein bars. God, they're awful. Please buy some built Bars so that they can expand and become available everywhere, and I don't have to eat those terrible chalky protein bars anymore. They've up to 18 amazing flavors now. Caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry bar, sia, apple almond crisp, plus the classics raspberry, German chocolate, peanut butter, mint brownie. They're covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew. If you're on a keto diet, the stats are great. Peanut butter, 19 grams of protein, 180 calories, 5 grams of sugar, 5 grams of net carbs. And they even offer a free cooler with purchase while supplies last. Go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKEDON, the name of this network, and you get 20% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. All right, so what are we at now? We did your, Onyeko was your number four. Who's your number five? My number five is Obi Toppin from Dayton. Uh, just going all in on offense here. I think he's the best offensive big in the draft. He can he can do it all. Uh, love his uh quick quick motion into a three point shot. Uh, he just developed the three pointer this last year at Dayton. Looks really good. Like if you watch him in warm ups before a game, uh, just a really repeatable quick release. Uh, th- I mean that's going to be a weapon. Uh, runs the floor really well. Really good rim runner dunker. Uh, you know long and can elevate. 
State. Good passer. Uh, really good posting up. Uh, I think he'll destroy switches. So I, th- I think he's just the complete package as an offensive player. Uh, so, you know, as long as teams uh, can have a DH rule in the NBA, he's going to be fantastic. <laughs> I think Toppin is awful. I, he might really? be the, of, of all the guys I've looked at, you know, about eight or nine guys, I would probably have him last, I would wow. say. Um, okay. So I disagree with you on the posting up. I think he is his uh, lower body is so weak and his inability to get low and move people is going to be a major problem even against switches i think you're gonna see them throw throw him the ball and he's gonna take a couple of dribbles not move the guy and then have to shoot a fadeaway um i don't think like his hook shot is very good like his when i watched all of his post-ups you know the ball would go in every once in a while but he wasn't like to me he wasn't getting good looks in one-on-one post-up situations like he was he would sort of take a couple of dribbles not really move him and then shoot you know a contested eight foot turnaround or a hook and you know he wasn't really faking guys out he wasn't moving people like i didn't like the quality of the looks he was getting yeah you know in the a10 he's able to still score over those guys because he's you know none of those those uh centers for duquesne or whatever are getting drafted mm-hmm. um so that aspect i don't really like um i don't think he can really do anything facing the basket off the dribble i think he's going to be too slow to really attack the basket unless he just has a you know a wide open runway in front of him um the shooting i think you know that's encouraging i don't think he's i think he could be you know a mid-30s guy i don't see him as like a high 30s 40 percent guy um the dunks are ridiculous obviously i mean that's that's really nice i don't know how great a finisher he is on non-dunks but when Mm -hmm. you're dunking everything uh that's that's pretty nice but he's he just lacks any kind of fluidity uh to me and like his hips are so tight he's got this hunched stance that kills him on defense obviously as well yeah yeah go ahead the hips are a concern and it's a thing that teams are definitely going to look into on his on his medical whether there's something um something chronic there or something that could uh hold him back and i think if like if he drops um i think the hips might be a reason uh and we just don't know yet teams are still evaluating the medical from the combine like we legitimately do not know well and and now that's not to say that that can't be improved Mm -hmm. um because you know like miles turner was one of these guys for example and Toppin has had this weird path where he went, did a post-grad year. He didn't have any offers. He grew a lot. This is really his first year playing much. Um, yeah. or I guess he's a, last. He's he's a young old guy. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's the other problem too that, that he's 22. I mean, that's yeah. You know, if he were 19, I, I'd feel a lot differently. But I do think he can. You know, I don't know what level of like you know he's really been worked with from a strength and flexibility standpoint, and you know maybe he does a lot of overhead squats and he can actually like get into a stance. I mean, he's so incredibly upright, but. I mean, then the problem, though, just comes on defense. I mean, I I think he's a Bobby Portis who can dunk. You know, that's that's what I see him being. And he may even be worse defensively than Bobby Portis. He's a 4.5. No way he's going to be able to guard anybody on the perimeter. He's not going to hold up in the post. I mean, he weighs under 220 pounds. So to say that he's going to play center. He has to play four. I don't think he can play five at all. Yeah. Yeah. And if you compare him to, say, John Collins like or or Marvin Bagley, that's sort of the the player type but those guys just have so much more number one they're a lot younger when they're drafted number two those guys just have so much more fluidity to me as athletes and with the ball attacking in short areas uh facing up posting up against smaller players offensive rebounding which i don't think you know Toppin is going to do a ton of compared to those guys 
not a plus um, rebounder. Yeah, yeah. You expect more from him there. So that's, a, and I mean, it's just, okay, you know, he might put up a few numbers. He's going to have some spectacular dunks. He hit some threes, but I think he's basically just going to be dunks and threes and that's it offensively. And I know you see see it differently as some people do, but, uh, and then he's just going to suck. Like I think on defense. And so that's a bench guy to me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? He's, not, he's an NBA player when you can dunk like that and you can shoot it. But I just, I don't know how you start him on any kind of a real team. And he's 22. Yeah, yeah. The the key for him is going to be on defense. Can he get to the point where he doesn't completely suck? Can he, can he be at a point where you can have him on the court for his off? I think I what I saw is he had a lot of trouble with picking pops. He was actually sort of okay in switching scenarios because he had a catch-up speed where he could get beat off the dribble but then come back and block the shot. Yeah, yeah. As long as he, he, he can't move laterally, but then he can run in a straight line to catch up to the guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, basically. Because <laughs> he can only... Yeah. <laughs> His, his joystick only goes four and a half. Um, he, he had a really hard time stopping, changing direction, and getting back out to the guy who who set the pick, who was shooting the three. Like it, that, that was just like an, an impossible conundrum for him. So teams are definitely gonna have to work with him on that. All right. Well, congratulations. We've we've it's been almost an hour. We've made it through six six. But let's uh, let's hit some more chat stuff here. Okay. Um, Raptors four sixty seven. In this draft, you you'll have to answer this one because i don't know the guys in the 20s in this draft would you rather have one pick in the top 10 or two picks in the 20 uh which part of the top 10 are we talking about like would i trade would i trade 20 and 21 for 10 i'd probably keep my two picks at 20 and 21 yeah um people aren't that down on this draft in the middle uh where they're really down on it is at the top there's just not a lot of high-end talent and i think people feel okay about that they can get a role player with the 20th pick um orlando I, I haven't seen this rumor yet but orlando is supposedly trying to trade up by packaging the 15th pick and aaron gordon uh would something in the four five six range be possible there yeah to me if you're orlando and you're trying to move up the thing you're trying to do is get one of the point guards uh whether it's killian hayes or kira lewis or unless you think uh tyrese halliburton is a one uh so is there maybe some i don't see cleveland trading out of five i certainly don't see them doing it to take on uh gordon who uh crowds a position that's already crowded uh you know does chicago have an incentive to trade down for four for him probably not atlanta yeah maybe that's a little more interesting um that 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 could be one i mean but i I also think like like if halliburton's sitting there for atlanta i don't see why they trade down to 15 because he's perfect there so it's a it's a tough one there i I think i I think it's i think it's good for orlando to be calling around on stuff like that but at the end i just don't know what the deal is that really incentivizes one of these teams to be like, okay, yeah, sure, we'll move down to 15. Like, I don't, I guess I don't see Gordon as like that huge a chip for those particular teams. Yeah, I would like Gordon's fit in Atlanta, except they already have John Collins there. And, uh, yeah. What what happens with Collins this offseason is going to be fascinating because he's a good player, but he has big contract demands and they've got these centers now. They need some other guys on the wing who can defend. I mean, the the whole structure of their team would make a lot of sense with Trey Young at the one, Clint Capella, and then a bunch of wings around those guys. But Collins is kind of mucking that up, right? I think if they had Aaron Gordon in that position rather than Collins, you would probably feel a little bit better, uh, mm-hmm. although Collins might actually be a better shooter than gordon yeah. at this point but uh so but i mean the atlanta is desperately looking for wings who can defend to actually get a passable defense when you have trey young as your star i 
I don't know what's going to happen with Collins, but I think it's going to be very interesting here. Um, you want to do one more question? Pick one. Uh, sure. John, in your tenure, did you ever promise? This is from Young Octopus. In your tenure, did you ever promise a player that you would draft him? Uh, we never actually followed through on it. There was there was one, and, and I don't mean that we reneged on it. I mean we <laughs> we had a couple situations where we were looking hard at making a promise, and then when we really broke down the film on the guy, we were like, you know what, we can't do that. Um, the one I can mention because like 10 other teams had the same idea i mean this wasn't us being brilliant the year before Przingis came out um when he was still playing at seville and was on the fence about putting his name in i mean we 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 were telling his guys and i'm sure everyone else in the 20s was telling him like yeah sure we'll take him put your name in you know uh but that that did not persuade him so which which was unfortunate uh so we, we never actually got to the point of uh making and executing uh a promise uh which is which is a complicated thing because I mean to really pull it off you have to do your work early enough so that the guy shuts it down for the combine and all his other workouts and just doesn't let any other team see Jack and otherwise there's not really a lot of value in it uh here's the suggestion uh Ingram for the number one pick well, would he not really, be what the Wolves need can't really but, do it well he's a free agent no I mean it would have to be a sign and trade although then you run into some of the base here issues I think they could probably do it though maybe if they signed the number one pick first uh and did it but the problem is also that the Wolves salary structure would not withstand three max players Towns Ingram and D'Angelo yeah. Russell well remember too you got to wait 30 days now that's pretty rough with with uh, the timeline of this season um okay let's uh let's move on to John's sixth player on his board let's see number six I got Tyrese Halliburton guard from Iowa State uh he doesn't quite ooze with that high-end upside of these other guys as a shot creator shot off the dribble is a little wonky good good shooter with his feet set but it's like this push shot from a low uh base uh skinny body but uh long good athlete good anticipation on defense not great on the ball uh but but pretty good off ball defender uh plus rebounder good passer i think he can play both guard spots the type of guy you maybe start at the two then bring in as your backup one uh when your starter's out of the game uh really good background on him has shown pretty consistent improvement over his career career uh a lot of a lot of teams really like him i i think he's gonna end up going higher than six just because there are too many teams that like him uh for him to not go in the top five uh so very interesting player to me so the fact that he can't run a pick and roll at all is concerning to me um we talked about Lamelo being a really good ball handler for his size Halliburton is just not a good ball handler like he really needs to work on that a lot he can get pressured up that's part of why he can't run a pick and roll mm-hmm. um everything's right hand with him as well uh but defensively he's got great instincts in the passing lanes not quite as good as a one-on-one defender but all of his background stuff apparently is awesome you know, he's like a great leader great interview all that stuff and what most intrigues me about him is his shooting and it's kind of a funky release but the way he shoots it he can get it off pretty quickly it's a set shot but it's he a, doesn't really have a dip he just a like little catches Steph-like, it like actually yeah I, I mean it's not as like quite as classic of a finish as stuff yeah but it's like yeah. he'll catch it at his at his chin and he won't even dip it he'll just shoot it right from his chin and he's shooting 40 percent, and he can with that set shot he can bomb it from way out i think he's it's got some intrigue coming off of screens off the ball with that shooting ability um mm-hmm. and the quick release which i think has been something that people haven't talked 
talked about enough with him. So yeah, I, I'm loath to draft him that high in a normal draft because again, you think of these top five picks as this is our bite at the apple to get a star. And I just don't, with his lack of ball handling ability, I just don't see how he gets there. Uh, but I, he's certainly an intriguing talent. And yeah. I didn't like him that much when I first evaluated him. And then I evaluated some of the other guys. Yeah. <laughs> and he, he started to look a lot better. The, the other thing that like, he's a really good passer. Like he's not great in pick and roll, yeah. but he's a really good passer. And he lost so many assists this year to teammates just doing ridiculous shit after after he made a beautiful pass to him it, w- it was like you almost want to cringe sometimes watching the tape uh so i think it's like a second side guy uh especially if he develops the ability to show and go um you know with the shot fake i think there's a lot of potential there yeah and i like him in transition to pushing the ball hit ahead passes or spraying out to the three-point line in transition for a, a quick three you know as a pull-up shooter also he's he's got a ways to go i think it, that'll be an interesting aspect as well if he can bang that three-pointer off the dribble and improve his ball handling a little bit then maybe you could eventually get there and pick and roll because he does have the size you know he'll throw that pass to the shooter on the weak side he's not as good at finding the roll man in my recollection um and also his finishing i mentioned he only goes one way his floater is not really great he's not gonna like go through guys at the rim i thought he missed a lot of like very makeable layups so Mm -hmm. i don't know how good his touches are on the basket but certainly a guy that you would be surprised if he totally fails right yeah yeah high high floor guy for sure yeah and once you get below five if you look at the history even if you just get a starter you're probably doing decent enough yeah at that point right like i mean people are like oh the top 10 the top 10 it's like eh, you know there's two or three like real stars in it in even an average draft and this is considered a below average draft yeah totally totally um so yeah i think i'm in relative agreement with you uh on him you know i, I would kind of have him in that six to ten type of range i think top five might be a little high you for want him to, you, in my opinion the one dangerous thing about like the interviews and the background stuff is like you can end up at a point where you overvalue a guy because of that um oh yeah so that that's that's a little bit the danger where you fall in love with the guy but then you remember like they also need to be good at basketball explain how <laughs> yeah, yeah it's uh and that that's i mean for me once we get below that top three and i even think i would probably have edwards in the same tier as a lot of these guys like to me it's Lamelo tier one wiseman tier two and then just eye of the beholder below that you know i right. think halliburton hayes i mean halliburton versus hayes is an interesting question it seems like halliburton almost certainly is going to go above hayes but yeah. that one to me is just kind of a what do you need because i don't think either of them have has crazy upside i know you disagree a little bit on Hayes, but it's just all right if we need a lead ball handler let's take Hayes. if we mm-hmm. have more of a team where we have those guys established already let's take halliburton um who else do we need to talk about here? Uh, uh, who, who would be seventh on your board? Devin Vassell from Florida State. Uh, yeah. High floor, three and D guy, just uh, rock solid profile in terms of being a guy who makes it as something. Uh, he can shoot. He can defend. He's a pretty good athlete. He has a track record of improvement. His analytics are all great. Uh, there, there's just, there's there's nothing in anything in his profile that, that says he won't make it. Uh, I just don't know how high his ceiling is given his shot creation is still pretty limited like he's definitely an off the ball player i haven't had a chance to look at him yet uh, but what do you make of this concern about his jump shot based on that one twitter video like markel fultz has made us all gun shy about that now 
all all the calls I made uh, indicated that he was just goofing, uh, and you know he was he was you know basically clowning around at the end of a workout and just. So, so have we seen other film of him, or have people who have seen him in workouts say no? Actually, it's normal. have seen him work out and take real jump shots. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, his, that's his stroke at Florida State was nice. Yeah. Um. So conspicuous by his absence so far here is Denny Avdia. Um. Currently yes. mocked to go to the Bulls at number four by ESPN. Yes. Uh. I have him. Uh. 16th. Oh baby. Wow. Yeah. I mean, again, I I haven't seen some of these other guys to compare him to. Mm-hmm. I'm lower on him than some people are. Uh. But 16th, man. Why so low? To me, uh, so the guy who really reminded me a lot of uh, as a teenager was uh, Dario Saric, uh, about the same size, did a lot of the same things in terms of being a guy who would get the rebound, grab and go, uh, could initiate, was pretty right-handed, um, but his feet looked um, a little heavy. I think he's a little lighter on his feet than, than Saric, probably has a little more defensive potential to be able to guard threes because of that. Uh, a lot of questions about his shooting. He's a dreadful foul shooter. His three-point shooting this year was okay. Um, in Euroleague games, he just wasn't very good. And historically, when you get into that bag of players who the, the guys who don't establish themselves as halfway decent Euroleague players before they're drafted, uh, the fail rate is way higher. And he was pretty good in Israeli league games, but the Israeli league is not very good. Oh, so, yeah. The, the Israeli league is worse than NCAA, like a good NCAA conference. Yes. Um, yes. Uh, at least that's uh, Lane Vashro before he got hired by the Nuggets back in 2015 so this has changed a little bit but back in yeah. 2015 he did an analysis that compared basically how good each league was and yeah i mean he had uh the israeli league as being like worse than like the pac 10 yeah i mean the israeli league is basically a one team league it's it's maccabi tel aviv and then yeah that and that's obvious team so who's the only guy who didn't have to play against maccabi tel aviv <laughs> uh in that league so uh yeah the quality is not very good and uh i guess there's just I, I just I'm just not sure what the thing is that I'm supposed to be getting so excited about. Uh, you know, can he be all right? Can he be like a, a night, you know, a bench combo forward? Yeah, sure. Like I got him 16th, not 60th. But at, at the end of the day, I just like I just don't understand what people are getting so excited about to, to have him in the top five. Yeah, I wouldn't have him there either. I don't think. Uh, but uh, and the free throw shooting to me is a massive concern. Like someone in the comments was saying, oh, it's it's just a mental thing for him. But if you just go back and look at the history of guys who are sub 60% free throw shooters like you're just not going to be a quality shooter if you're shooting that level from the free throw line there's basically no one historically you either have to improve which maybe he will you know like mm-hmm. Blake Griffin really improved yeah. his free throw shooting Chris For Weber really Kyle improved Lowry. his free throw shooting yeah. Carl Malone really improved his free throw shooting but if you're if you stay at that level you're just not going to be a good shooter like the, that's the, what the history says Um, now I think the Sharage comparison I think he's more of a three. He's a good athlete. Um, I think, you know, in transition, getting up for some dunks, he's much more explosive than Charge. I think he can stay in front of guys. Like he actually, you know, for example, they played against Anadula Ephes at home right before the shutdown, and he closed that game. That's a Euroleague game. That's the best team in the Euroleague. Um, and he guarded Shane Larkin on the last play of the game and stayed in front of him and forced a tough miss when they were up two. So they got a nice upset win. So he actually earned some time with his defense. Now, only having like a six nine wingspan 
if he had a seven foot wingspan, I'd feel a little bit better about him. Mm-hmm. But so I don't think he's going to be a lockdown defender, but I think he will be totally adequate. Um, the question for me comes more on the offensive end. The shooting, you know, I'm going to project it's going to be, you know, 33, 34%, something like that. You know, again, if he's getting up into the high 30s, now, you know, you've got something. My my comparison for him was kind of along the lines of like a Nick Batum, you know, like that. Not a great athlete, but a solid one. Um, okay. Has some passing ability some pick and roll ability Batum better shooting potential but it took him a while to grow into that um you know very right-handed as you said showed a little more left hand when he was playing at the lower levels as like the primary ball handler for the Israeli under 19 under 20 team or under 18 under 20 team so I think he's good he could be a player but if I had to pick it I think it's more likely that he becomes a bench guy because like a lot of these European kind of 6-6 to 6-9 ball handler types he doesn't really uh you know if you're he doesn't project to me as someone you're going to put the ball in his hands a lot in the nba he's you know maybe he could become that's like been a the joke. whole issue yeah that's been the whole issue with sarge yeah you get that yeah. joe ingles comp is a good that maybe that's that's where where his high end is but like if you're not putting the ball in his hands so what do you do with him if he's not a knockdown shooter yeah and you know if you were he's just he's kind of jack of all trades master of none and mm-hmm. that works a lot better in europe where you don't have the same distribution in the nba where you really have your high usage guys the offenses are much more egalitarian in europe he's got like a little post game which is nice and it's just but like how often are you really going to go to that Uh, yeah is and yeah it'd be nice you throw them the ball on the weak side he can drive he can make a decision that's good but i I just he's just kind of a guy you know maybe he could be a low-end starter maybe he's a high-end backup uh if the shooting really filled out or the defense got way better than i think it is maybe that would change but i'm kind of i'm just not sure like why you fall in love with this guy um i i I don't discount what he did in the euro league as much as you i think he earned minutes for a good team at age 19 like that means something to me i think he's he plays hard i think he's reasonably smart i don't think he's gonna be a bust but i just don't see you know what the big appeal is for him like how are you talking yourself into it's like oh this guy's gonna be awesome that's what i don't get yeah i completely agree um but i i would i don't think i would have him as low as as 16 again with the caveat that i haven't seen some of these other guys um all right where are we here right now we got about 15 minutes left yeah so we've done uh one through eight on my board uh is is there anyone uh is there anyone that you got is like kind of a sleeper not really i mean just because i i haven't gone that low in the draft yet um i was planning on spending a lot more time on this and then i we found out that free agency starts two days after the draft and so we've had to pivot to like getting all of our free agency stuff done so i i can't say that there are any sleepers that i've come up with i mean probably the the one guy that i've looked at that we haven't talked about much yet okay is isaac okoro from auburn yeah um, he's, uh, what he's are your the, thoughts on him he's the ninth player on my board um yeah people were talking about him as a top five pick i don't think he has the offense to warrant being selected that high good defensive player with a big physical frame does some interesting stuff as like a passer and distributor like you can tell like he has some feel for the game uh not much of a shooter seems more comfortable shooting off the dribble than off the catch uh for a quote-unquote athlete, his like athletic markers of uh, steals and rebounds are, were actually pretty bad, which kind of makes yeah. you wonder, like, does he have that kind of first-step instinct to get to the ball? Uh, good shot blocker for his size. Uh, you know, I, th- I do think teams over-index on muscles a little bit, and he's got a good frame, so I think teams will like that. Uh, background on him was good. So in a, in a shaky draft, I feel like, okay, well, he has a chance to be a wing defensive stopper, and if you can get him 
to like 33%, he's probably valuable. So I have him ninth. Yeah, the people who really buy into him have made the Jimmy Butler comparisons. I'm loath to do that just because Jimmy Butler might have improved, you know, if not more than any player over the course of his NBA career, probably like one of the top 10 best improvement Cer- stories Certainly ever. in the top, certainly in the top 1%, right? So I don't think that's yeah. a reasonable, uh, you know, comparison to make. Um, you know, Okoro, and I'm also, like you said, he's not like this unbelievable playmaker defensively. I do like that he's strong. I think he can hold up against some bigger players, but he doesn't have like crazy wingspan or athleticism. He's a little bit shorter than you know, that type of player. You know, we're not talking about OG Ananobi exactly. type of physical yeah. tools here. 7-2 wingspan, 7-9, mm-hmm. swallow you up. I think he's going to compete. You know, can he be a more athletic version of Wes Matthews as a defender where he's strong, he's going to compete, he'll hold up, but he doesn't, you know, he might get blown by on occasion. He doesn't have amazing length to contest. Um, And then the offense is a concern, but he also is only 19 and uh, certainly a winning player who really helped Auburn win games. And that that does mean something, um, especially for a guy that young. I think I would move him up a little bit higher than some people just because of what he could be as a player type where like we talk uh, comparing him to Avdia I would have a coral higher than Avdia even if you might say that Avdia has a higher median and outcome because Okoro is just a player who if he hits on being what you want him to be he'll fit in anywhere whereas Avdia it's kind of like you know maybe he might be an Evan Fournier offensive player if you're lucky but how many teams really need that mm-hmm. guy who's you know a fourth option pressed into service as a number two option right right yeah um so and, and you know Okoro has some bounce getting to the rim as well um so I haven't seen this guy yet at all but Patrick Williams rumors that he might be promised at number seven to the Pistons which would be in the yeah. mo of troy weaver from okc he also declined to say today in an interview who he had worked out for uh yeah adding perhaps to that intrigue yep. a, yeah a bit that- but uh tell us a little bit about him especially for me who i i haven't seen i've heard him get talked about for 30 seconds that's really all i know about him at this point yeah so i sort of the basic outline of the tools you can see why some teams are excited uh youngest collegian in the draft at least of, of the collegians who can actually play um six eight six nine uh pretty good shooter handle looks okay uh pretty good pretty good shot blocker has pretty good hands defensively so there's a lot to like there in terms of like that switchable combo forward guy who can make three uh, you know, that's a very valuable player if you can turn into that. If he can turn into a starting small forward, especially, that's a $20 million player, right? right. So, you know, he sort of fits that like Ananobi profile. Uh, the thing I don't see, I so I had him 14. Uh, I think he's a good prospect. I think he's a lot heavier on his feet than his fans want to admit. And that as he fills out more physically, it's just going to get worse. Um, I, I just don't, I just don't see the guy who can really stay with guard on the perimeter on a consistent basis. I think he's pretty much a four. And, you know, it, and same thing offensively. Like he doesn't, I don't think he has great feel offensively, even though he makes some plays. Um, he's able to get fouled a lot because I just think his physical tools are so good. Uh, and he's going to, he's going to make shots. So I, I think he's a player at some level, but I have trouble getting him into my top 10 because I think he's probably more, probably more of just a four at the end of the day. 
Okay. Yeah, that the young octopus asked us uh, about that one. Uh all right, let's uh let's close it out here with some questions for these last uh 10 minutes uh, or so. Uh one thing that's been talked about in the comments which I I think is a a good co- uh topic is just the idea of which players should just be banned from being compared, right? Like like when you say who's the comp for this guy, it's like no, we're actually never going to have another guy like this. Again, you're not allowed to compare anyone to this guy anymore. Um, yeah. The, the one that used to always get abused was Draymond Green. Uh, it's been oh, yeah. it's been less the last couple of years, but anyone who was like a good defender with a shaky outside shot, it was just like, he's Draymond, you know? Like like Xavier yeah. Tillman this year, like two years ago, everyone would have just compared him to Draymond Green and nobody else, right? And, and I think that's died down a little bit. Uh, so yeah. so that, that that's definitely one we've grown tired of. Uh, I think a lot of people are looking uh, now for like uh, the next Jamal Murray, right? Or uh, I've, I've heard his name thrown up out a little bit i'm trying to think uh uh who's who's a guy that gets uh well i mean steph is obviously one yeah. right like yeah yeah Kawhi leonard like you're when you start comparing people like to these top level guys it's like no no he's not oh um agents comparing their fat client to marcus saul that was always one we had enjoyed <laughs> fat is potential in disguise uh, yeah, as Strauss, exactly. Strauss would say yeah um here's a good question talking uh, this is a, a topic that'll come up obviously with drew holiday uh gruntess asking you if uh gms talk to players they're about to trade for on expiring contracts to find out if they want to re-sign before the trade well it's tampering to talk to the player but sometimes you can talk to the agent and uh sort of figure things out but even that gets a little delicate because it gets back to the other team so you got to play that game pretty carefully yeah well or sometimes teams will just give permission to do that right i mean it's rare but yeah yeah. like supposedly chris paul not an expiring contract necessarily but uh supposedly chris paul it was given permission by the thunder to talk to the Suns, um mm-hmm. as in those trade discussions which by the way I, I gotta give you your kudos for calling that one i think on this very program is the first time you brought it up like two three weeks ago yeah yeah so rubio uh Oubre and 10 for cp and 25 this makes a ton of sense to me so we'll see what happens yeah well that's that's interesting is kind of what's the price right like it's got to be Oubre and rubio mm-hmm. if i'm the Suns, i'm starting off and i'm saying that those two guys and then ty jerome or one of our other young guys who aren't haven't shown anything yet that's my package to start with and okc if you have a better offer out there by all means let us know and we'll increase but we're uh we're not going above that right now we're we're gonna save you nine million dollars in salary this year and 27 million next year and you're we know that you're not keeping chris paul so find it tell us where the better offer is and then maybe we'll throw something in but uh until until then enjoy kelly Bray and Ricky Rubio. Yeah, exactly. Because they can turn around and trade those guys and get more assets. Yeah. Now, if you're the Thunder, I'd be trying to move him somewhere for bad salary coming back, so that you can also say, say, yeah, we're we uh, if we're going to take this bad salary, then that's where the value is coming from in this. That we're going to get picks to take on Tobias Harris and Al Horford or or something right. like that, yeah. rather than the value of Chris Paul. Because it's crazy it is to say, I don't even know if Chris Value has positive trade value with his yeah. contract right now yeah i agree i mean probably a slightly more positive trade value than than his 
his uh, his his partner in trade rumors, Russell Westbrook. But oh man, but still, it's it's going to be interesting because I mean, I think if you're Phoenix, um, you you kind of cross your fingers that the Knicks panic trade is for Westbrook and not for CP, and so that and and then you're kind of the only team left standing, and OKC has to deal with you. Um, so here we go, Matt McBuckets, thirty-two. What is a feasible Westbrook destination? I mean, the you you always say the Knicks because anytime something shiny is waved in front of them, they just want to grab like ah, <laughs> uh, they just have to grab at it. So uh, I think I think you certainly go with with them. What what else is feasible that's out there? What makes sense? I mean, you heard Charlotte I, I, today. Could they do like Westbrook for Terry Rozier or something? And then from the other perspective, what makes sense for Houston? Right? Like if you're in win now mode with Houston, which I think you are until James Harden makes his trade demand. <laughs> oh wait, did I say that out loud? Um, th- then uh, th- then you really got to think about what what are you getting for Westbrook that makes sense from your end. So it's a really tough path uh, to walk there. Um, you know, yeah, people ask about Westbrook for Oladipo. I don't think he makes sense in Indiana though. Uh, so he I, doesn't I just... make sense anywhere. Yeah, yeah, he just doesn't. Yeah, like and the rumors of him. Well, he he wants to be go back to that lead ball handler role in Oklahoma City. Like you can't shoot the ball outside of three feet from the basket. Like how are you going to be a point guard and run yeah. pick and roll? Like he's yeah. basically a center yeah, at this point. Exactly. And exactly. And it's hilarious to me that he's complaining about what things are like in Houston. I mean, all right, you want to complain about Daryl Morey and D'Antoni being gone or whatever like that? That makes sense to me. But and their their culture and all this. But dude, they traded all these picks for you, and then they traded their center because you can't do anything unless the floor is perfectly spread. Yeah. And like you're you're basically like turning him into Giannis with the Bucks with nobody around the rim. And yeah, you probably can't stop anyone now because you don't have a center and you can't. It's just like they bent over backwards to accommodate him. And now him wanting out is kind of rich to me uh, yeah, after totally. all that. Totally. Uh, all right. Let's uh, we have five more minutes here. Let's hit some more draft ones if we can. OK. What else? What else we got here? Um, And maybe maybe we may have the chat may have moved on from the draft. <laughs> the chat is completely um, abandoned the draft once you started talking about trades. <laughs> I mean, the trades are kind of more interesting. Um, Can we talk about Poku? About what? Alexei Pokusevsky. Oh, that's what he's called? Poku? All right. Well, that's what I call him anyway. Uh, what do you make of him? 13th player on my board. Absolute swing for the fences. He could be horrible, but he is by far the biggest boom bust guy in this draft. I think he could end up being really good. He's seven feet tall. He can handle the ball. He can shoot. Um, he is about as thin as my pinky finger. Uh, he's still really young. He plays in a terrible league uh where guys who like sell insurance during the day then play against him at night um so just all kinds of variables there there's a lot of palace intrigue going on here with teams potentially having made him a promise and shut him down and you know there, there's a lot of rumors with oklahoma city at 25 and some some other people will tell you no dallas at 18 is the team for him and some people think he's going to go even higher i kind of like him i think he i think he has a chance to be like if he hits he's going to be really good because he's like a seven foot guard in a lot of ways. Uh, but he has no lower body strength at all. Um, and you just wonder if, if his body is going to develop enough to support his skill level. So would you say his comp is Zarko Kabarchapa or Nikolaus Skidishvili? What about Giannis? I mean, Giannis was the same thing. He came from a crap league in the, the Greek second division and, uh, you know, showed a lot of tools, but was really raw. Couldn't shoot it like this guy and, and was shorter at the time. 
but yeah, I mean, he's definitely that that overseas mystery meat, and uh, he has more production in his background than some of these other guys did. I will say that. Um, like, yeah, and I haven't seen him. I haven't seen him. I just needed to make that joke, obviously. Oh, those. of course. Just yeah. a, as you were describing him, I'm like, oh, that's what they were saying about those guys too, right? Yeah, I I like the risk reward on him in the team. Um, undercover FIBA agent asks, uh, who do you like as a long term project? better poku or Jaden mcdaniel uh i don't really like Jaden mcdaniels um i saw him play in person a couple times see him like even seen him warm up before games like his his shot is really inconsistent i think he um you know he doesn't have a lot of lower body strength or a lot of balance um there's a lot of questions about him like background wise off the court um good shot blocker can explode up uh that way uh but i just you know people see the long frame with him and i think get get excited but i i just don't see anything else i guess uh so i i have i have a hard time getting super excited about him i want to say i had him in the 30s okay so P- poco it is um all right well i think we can probably wrap it here at uh 12 59 thanks so okay. much for joining us and i mean we'll have the draft in the books we have a lot of trades in the book so next week make sure you join us uh, for that on twitch twitch.tv slash nate duncan nba and to the podcast listeners thanks so much for joining us and we will talk to y'all next time don't forget it we start at 2 30 eastern 11 30 pacific the day after the draft i can't believe it's almost here and we will talk to y'all then reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest but let me play devil's advocate here let's see so no that's a good thing uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem uh, reese's you did it you stumped this charming devil at Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.